Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. You told Mr. Rogan yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. Good. Now, you crossed that line with the Twitter files. No. Elon Musk, it's my time. Please do not interrupt me. Elon Musk spoon-fed Elon Musk spoon-fed you his cherry-picked information, which you must have suspected promotes a slanted viewpoint, or at the very least generates another right-wing conspiracy theory. You violated your own standard, and you appear to have benefited from it. Before the release of emails in, of the emails in August of last year, you had 661,000 Twitter followers. After the Twitter files, your followers doubled. And now it's three times what it was last August. I imagine your Substack readership, which is a subscription, increased significantly because of the work that you did for Elon Musk. This is Matt Taibbi getting chastised by Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who wants to remind you this is her time and you will not speak until spoken to, plebeian. Whoo! Debbie mad. Debbie smash! How dare you! Share the truth about Twitter. How dare you share that they were silencing conservatives? How dare you share that they had no standards when it came to people who politically disagreed with them? How dare you share how the Democratic Party was working in conjunction with big tech to silence the people they didn't approve of? And how dare you notice that the entire Hunter Biden laptop story is true and then tell people it was true? Don't you know we don't want people to know about it? You bastard! That is basically what she said while she's got a giant Joe Rogan head behind her, his big, bald, possibly anti-Semitic head just shining right behind her, her her, uh, perm, possibly jerry-curled hair. I don't know what she uses, people, but it's something, and it's not attractive. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What is going on, everybody? 833-GOT-TONY, 833 Four six eight eight six six nine. This is crazy. This is crazy. You know, Twitter uh, under Elon Musk releasing. Hey, here's what Twitter was doing, and they got released to reporters. Barry Weiss was one of those reporters. Matt Taibbi of Rolling Stone, one of those reporters. I'm not a Matt Taibbi fan. We don't disagree. We we don't agree politically, but we don't disagree that people shouldn't be censored and they shouldn't have their speech violated. They should be allowed to speak freely. And so he. Notice what Twitter was doing. And Debbie Wasserman Schultz is outraged. Now, I'm not asking you to put a dollar figure on it, but it's quite obvious that you've profited from the Twitter files. You hit the jackpot on that Vegas slot machine to which you referred. That's true, isn't it? I've also reinvested. You've made a lo- some. No, 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 no. Is it true that you have profited since you were, rece- you were this recipient of the Twitter files? You've made money. Yes or no? I Very think it's probably question. a wash, honestly. Nope. You've, you, you have made money that you did not have before, correct? But I've also spent money that I didn't have okay. before. I just hired a I, whole I, group of people a, to Patently obvious answer. answer, reclaiming my time. Ha! How dare you not accept 
the moment of the Mao-esque struggle session that I put upon you. Mao being chairman Mao. We're talking about the communist takeover of China. And the struggle sessions were what he did to get city elders and others to look the fool in front of everybody else, embarrass these people, force them to answer impossible questions. They struggle through the answer, the struggle session, and therefore they're diminished in the eyes of the people around them. And the people around them don't want to have to go through such an embarrassing feat. So they all laugh and point and say, yeah, Mao's right. And that's how you build control. Exactly what Debbie Wasserman Schultz is attempting to do right here. Attention is a powerful drug. Eyeballs, money, prominence, attention. All of it points to problems with accuracy and credibility. And the larger point, which is social media companies are not biased against conservatives. And if anything, they ignore. She's special. She is special. Social media companies are not biased against conservatives. You got it. Now, let's make an argument for the other side of this. An argument for the side that when you take a look at Facebook, don't look at my problems. Maybe I can figure out a way through my problems with Facebook, where I am throttled in every which way. But we know people who have made real money on Facebook and spend crazy money on Facebook. Maybe that's why it works, because they're spending the money. I don't object to this. But Daily Wire clearly spends, I I believe the technical term is a crap ton of money with Facebook to be able to generate views for their content, which then generates crazy amounts of money. I'm not arguing against the methodology. I'm arguing that doesn't work for everybody. And I am arguing that it is obvious what Twitter did. It is obvious what big tech did to Parler. This is not a debate we're having. Did you profit because you were given all of these files from Elon Musk? What if he did? A member of Congress is opposed to profiting? If that's the case, when will you do away with members of Congress being able to utilize inside information And when will you tell Paul Pelosi he might have to make an investment in the dark as opposed to whatever data his wife gives him during the pillow talk when, of course, he isn't chasing hammers? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too soon? Let me say it this way. I don't know who that guy was, and that guy hurt Paul Pelosi, and I'm glad Paul Pelosi as well. But if you don't think they knew each other, I'm sorry, I don't know what to do with you. That clearly... Clearly was two people in a very, very awkward situation. I'm leaving it there. Screaming. Screaming at at Matt Taibbi. They're so angry when you share information. And if you think the struggle session with uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz was rough, check it with Democratic Rep uh, Sylvia Garcia. Approach you about writing uh, uh, the Twitter files. Again, Congresswoman, that would... Uh, I just need a date, sir. But I can't give it to you, unfortunately, because this this is a question of sourcing, and I don't give up. I'm it's a journalist. A, I don't reveal my source. It's a question of chronology. No, that's a question because of sourcing. Because you earlier said that, that someone had sent you through the Internet some message about whether or not you would be interested in some information. Yes, and I refer to that person as a source. So you're not going to tell us when... Musk first approached you. 
Again, Congressman, when you're asking me to you're asking a journalist to reveal a source. So then you consider Mr. Musk to be the direct source of all this? No, now you're you're trying to get me to say that he is the source. I I I well, just can't answer your question. Well, it is or he isn't. If you're telling me you can't answer because it's your source, well, then that the only logical conclusion is that he is in fact your source. This is the United States in 2023. Adam Schiff last night over there on MSNBC making this statement a doozy if if you ask me an absolute doozy let me see if i can get it to play money the only way to stop it is for because at fox for tucker carlson for sean hannity for rupert murdoch for all these people laura ingram it's only about the money it's only about ratings and money the only way to stop it is for Dominion to succeed, uh, for it to cost Fox billions, uh, and what's more, for American companies to decide that as long as Murdoch and Fox are putting these these divisive sociopathic liars on the air, American companies aren't aren't going to advertise there anymore. Uh, the only way to stop, uh, you know, a, a, a corporation that has gone completely off the rails and is tearing the country apart is to say, I'm going to stop paying for that. That's a member of Congress calling for boycotts because of, A, a lawsuit that isn't proven, no one's been proven guilty, and because Tucker Carlson is sharing some videos he doesn't like. That is nuts. And someone responded, well, it's just like Donald Trump calling the news media fake news, isn't it? And I was like, oh, you're precious. You are precious. Bless your heart. You are precious. No, calling the media fake news is fake news. And if you want to call Tucker Carlson, you want to call Fox News fake news, you're more than welcome to. Uh, You've called it faux news and fix news for as long as I can remember. I can remember living in California, this is well over a decade ago, sitting at lunch with a couple of Hollywood-esque people and someone asking me what I thought about fix news. Point blank, right to my face. As if it was the funniest thing they had ever heard. This conversation's been going on a good long time. They have MSNBC, where they're having this conversation, CNN. They have the Washington Post and the New York Times. They have untold uh, amounts of conversations via culture. But it's Fox tearing the country apart. Newsmax gets thrown off of DirecTV. Ain't that always something? You have a member of Congress calling for boycotts against a news organization. You have the Senate Majority Leader demanding that they don't show the videos of January 6th anymore, demanding to make them have Tucker Carlson stop. A member of Congress saying the First Amendment should not apply. And now you've got Sylvia Garcia trying to get a journalist to give up their source. Let me kind of rephrase what it is she's asking here in a way that maybe people historically will understand. Are you now or have you ever been a communist? That make it easier to understand? Good. Well, you're free to conclude that. 
Well, sir, I just don't understand. You can't have it both ways, but let's move on. Cause well, no, he can. He's a journalist. No, he can't, because either Musk is the source and he can't talk about it, or Musk is not the source. And if Musk is not the source, then he can discuss No one has yielded. The gentlelady's out of order. You don't and get to speak. out of order because he's interrupted. The gentlelady's not recognized. You're not recognized. He has not said that. What he has said is he's not going to reveal his source. And the fact that Democrats are pressuring him to do so is such an honor. We're asking him about his conversations with Musk. The gentlelady has not yielded you time. You don't. Get I have to not yielded time her. to anybody. I want to reclaim my time, and I would ask the chairman to give me back some of the time. Yeah, they they, they sound like adults. I don't know about you, but I feel great about the future of America. Oh, oh! After a conversation like that, how could you not just feel terrific? Huh. Yes, this is the push to tell journalists you're only journalists if we say you are you're only journalists if we agree with you you only only get to keep your sources if we agree that your sources are to be kept i mean that's that is something else I mean, I've got an entire transcript here of Plaskett, who is a delegate. Uh, Representative Plaskett is a delegate from, oh, I forget where. And and she is um, the ranking member, right? So the Republicans are in charge. So uh, that the, the chairman is, is Jim Jordan. And then uh, the ranking member is, is the highest level Democrat. Basically trying to ask Taibbi to tell her the sources... And then she's claiming, like, I, I never asked for your sources. It's exactly what's going on. And so good on Taibi. Good on Taibi for uh, holding firm. Then there's Representative Lynch. Listen to him. So, Mr. Taibi, do you believe? Do you believe that the Russians? And their oligarch-controlled internet research agency interfered in the 2016 election via this <clears throat> social media disinformation campaign. Do you believe that? Mr. Congressman, my disagreement with the issue well, is... I think this is, a, this is basically a yes or no question. Either you think so or you don't. And I don't have a lot of time, so... Okay, well then I'm, I'm going to answer... Not in the sense that you uh, that you're putting it. Okay. Um, I think okay. all countries all right. engage in off- offensive in- information you, operations. The you, question is scale. Do you believe and, that and the Russia Twitter files in were hacking? Reclaiming my time this is how it works. Now I'll ask the questions, and you try to provide an answer if you can. Um, you have to allow him to answer. Do you sir. believe? The gentleman is out of order and should not be interrupting a member asking a question on our you, side, Mr. Chairman. Reclaiming my time from everyone. Good. As long as you're reclaiming your time from everyone. You understand from this, and it is an indefensible position from the political left, the truth is not the part that matters. The narrative is the part that matters. The data is inconsequential. The story is what must be upheld.
That is remarkable. When you when you when you witness it. That is remarkable when you get to see it. The war is not meant to be won. It is meant to be continuous. Hierarchical society is only possible on the basis of poverty and ignorance. This new version is the past, and no different past can ever have existed. In principle, the war effort is always planned to keep society on the brink of starvation. The war is waged by the ruling group against its own subjects, and its object is not the victory over either Eurasia or East Asia, but to keep the very structure of society intact. It's not me. That's George Orwell. The war is not meant to be won. It is meant to be continuous. There is no desire for what Twitter was doing in terms of the data and the facts. There is only a desire for a narrative of what Twitter was or is or needs to be to carry forward. That is all. That's what you're seeing. And it's sometimes shocking when you see it for the first time. I understand your shock. I'm Tony Katz. Oh, there's so much more coming out of this house hearing with uh, uh, it's, it's Michael Schellenberger and, and Matt Taibbi and the Twitter files. Man, the left is, I mean, we're past insulting. We're beyond, I'm sorry, I, I have to, I have to share it with you. This is amazing. This actually got said by uh, Representative Plaskett who is the ranking member, talking about Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger. This isn't just a matter of what data was given to these so-called journalists before us now. There are many legitimate questions about where Musk got the financing to buy Twitter. They're so-called journalists. And Taibbi and Schellenberger, are, are, they're laughing like, what in the world is this? So-called journalists. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's bad radio form to do the same subject, uh, you know, uh, one one after another. You know, you take the break, you move on to the next thing. But son of a gun. So-called. This isn't just a matter of what data was given to these so-called journalists before us now. There are many legitimate questions about where Musk got the financing to buy Twitter. This is remarkable. The, I get it, it, you. You really, I mean, absorb it, take it in. You'll see people on social media and other places talk about how they're so angry that people are angry that the truth is getting out. They're angry that that they don't have control anymore, and and sometimes you dismiss those things as just things that people say. Aren't these Democratic House members proving it? There's no respect. There is no decency. There is no just asking a question, trying to get information. It is attack, vilify, shame, struggle session like Chairman Mao. It really is. It, it's, I, I was saying this earlier. It's shocking when you see it for the first time. Because you're like, wait, that's not really how it happens. Yeah, it is. 
don't tell me about the kindness of the political left. I'm going to play this for you, and then I'm going to go drink bourbon. Meanwhile, our pullout, our withdrawal from Afghanistan was horrific. Congressman Jim Baird was there for the hearing yesterday, and the stories he heard were gruesome. That story is up next. This is Tony Katz today. Far too many people have forgotten that the withdrawal from Afghanistan was horrific and dangerous. And we left Americans to die. We left Afghans to die. We left women and children to be tortured and abused. We left billions of dollars of U.S. hardware behind to be utilized by Russia or the Chinese or whoever could get there and give the highest bid to the Taliban. We gave up Afghanistan to the Taliban because after 20 years of training a military, they could not stay together for three hours. The story of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, the story of Afghanistan as a whole, is a story that can be wrapped up in the conversation of failure. And the question is, will we learn from it again? But because of the politics of the day, the entirety of the Afghan withdrawal conversation was just eliminated. We were told by the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, that it was the best maneuver in American history, how we were able to get this done so quickly and so efficiently. Was it indeed efficient? Was it what we wanted? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Congressman Jim Baird joins me right now from the Indiana 4th District. He serves on the House Armed Services uh, Committee, and you sent out uh, a, a, a press statement regarding the testimony that you heard, as you called it, harrowing testimony from the botched Afghanistan withdrawal. What is it that the committee heard? I said armed services, I meant foreign affairs committee, House Foreign Affairs Committee. What is it that the committee heard that made you say, my goodness, what did you learn that you didn't already know? Well, you covered a lot of those things, uh, Tony, in the beginning in your prelude, but anyway, uh, the, the withdrawal was a disastrous withdrawal and the evacuation. And that has led to, um, that has led to a concern, not only by, um, those that we left behind, which were allies as well as American citizens. And it's also angered our, I uh, angered our allies. Consequently, uh, we are a less safe country, uh, because of our inability to execute that evacuation the way we should have. And so the, yesterday we heard from witnesses that testified and actually saw some of the atrocities that occurred during that evacuation, uh, including the Taliban uh, abusing uh, soldiers, I mean, uh, Afghans, and those that they considered uh, aiding and abetting uh, American soldiers. And so our, our soldiers felt very close to many of those Afghans. And many groups have tried to bring them home as well as bring home American citizens. And we were told many times that uh, there was less than 100 Americans involved in that situation. And in reality, uh, we have ex many of those uh, non-military organizations have ac evacuated more than 1,000 Americans. So that kind of, that kind of information and uh, misinformation certainly concerns our allies and the concern that we have left people behind 
uh, in is reducing our ability to to work with uh, other countries around the world. Well, let's and let's take a moment, and, sir, and just go yeah. back to that number that number because we did hear a lot about that. There are only about a hundred uh, Americans that were left behind, and you're saying now uh, that NGOs, non governmental organizations, and others have been able to extricate a thousand U.S. citizens. So. Uh, who gave the 100 number? How are they held accountable? And is there a belief that there are still Americans in country, in Afghanistan, who do want out, knowing that there were some Americans who were so desperate to support the Afghans that they did indeed refuse to leave? And that's and there are there are that that number you're talking about came from the State Department. Uh, they've evacuated 800. The figures I have, Tony, and then. The, the NGOs have, have done a thousand uh, more or more. And there are still people in Afghanistan uh, that are being pursued by the uh, Taliban. Uh, they're trying to uh, uh, eliminate them uh, because of their involvement in, the, in the, working with Americans. And so those, those individuals, we really need to work on SIVs to help them get away from uh, that situation because they're, they're really uh, uh, abusing their families and their children and their, and their wives and so on, including, including uh, killing, killing some of those individuals right in front of our own soldiers. One of our soldiers told about uh, having witnessed that from them. Talking to Congressman Jim Baird of the Indiana 4th District, SIV stands for Special Immigrant Visa. You talk about our our allies and, and how they feel about uh, the withdrawal. So it's a two-part question. Uh, number one, uh, have you spoken to uh, representatives from other nations about how they saw the withdrawal? Have they been honest with you in, in their take? And, and then where can you point to, or can you point to anywhere specifically where relationships between the United States and other nations, projects, um, military uh, connectivity has been frayed because of it? Well, I, th- I think uh, all of our NATO allies are concerned about uh, how we stand and whether we we honor our commitments. And, you know, in the military, uh, we are committed, uh, the soldiers are committed to not leaving anyone behind. And this is uh, really frustrating to many of those members because uh, some of those guides and interpreters that work with the American soldiers in Afghanistan uh, were like brothers in a way, and they really tried to help United States uh, soldiers, they feel very close. And so any of those countries that we have that are in the NATO organization, uh, certainly going to look at at how we uh, responded by not taking uh, um, American citizens out of uh, Afghanistan. And so I think that emboldens uh, countries like Russia to go into Ukraine I think uh, China is uh, watching our response there and our response around the world. So all of, all of those uh, individuals, including our adversaries that I just mentioned, Iran is included in that, uh, are looking at our response to this situation and how we did the evacuation. Uh, and then that emboldens them to uh, be more aggressive uh, toward our country. 
Does this require me? That's a that's a concern to me. Is does this require in in your view a a rethink about training in the military? Is is, is do we properly have uh, as you see it in 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 our training of, of the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, etc. Do we have a proper understanding of how battles in the future are, are fought and how relationships with other nations are, are done? Uh, do, do we train to that? It, 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 or, is, or is this less about training and more about how we do this on the political level? Well, I think, I think uh, that <clears throat> there's always room for improvement in training. Only we learn from our experiences and, and even the bad ones, we learn things. But I think I think politicizing this issue is a concern to me. We need to honor our soldiers and uh, our our military personnel because they make a commitment. They take an oath to protect this country, and I think we have an obligation to protect them, and we have an obligation to protect those that they feel uh, need our support. And so, training is always a part of the of any kind of a a military operation. But I can tell you this, uh, we have really uh, outstanding soldiers, and they protected our country for 20 years. That, that Afghanistan uh, uh, war went on for two decades, and we need to be proud of our soldiers that protected our country uh, after the uh, 9-11 incident. And so... I want those soldiers to understand because some of those soldiers were concerned yesterday about whether their their efforts were in vain. And I want you to know, Tony, I they they were not in vain. We had 20 years of safety because of of uh, their efforts to to uh, confront the Taliban and ISIS and, and keep them at bay. And that was uh, extremely important to our country. And I want those people to know how much we appreciate it. Talking to Congressman Jim Baird of the Indiana 4th District. Of course, sir, you served in, in Vietnam. Um, you, you, you have uh, received uh, the, the Bronze Star with a V device, as, as your biography reads, and two Purple Hearts. Uh, so when you talk about the military and you talk about fighting for the country, it is understandable uh, and commendable how personal it is to you. But as you look at how we handled Afghanistan, the, uh, of how we trained Afghan forces, did we do it right? After 20 years to watch the country completely collapse in a matter of hours, one has to ask if we're, doing, uh, if we're taking a look honestly, did we do it right? Did we? Well, I think we trained right, Tony. I think we trained right. The problem was that we didn't, we didn't uh, coordinate an evacuation that was effective and realistic. I mean, just to have a hasty evacuation and leave folks behind sent the wrong message around the world. Had we, had we used a more coordinated and a more effective withdrawal, that would not have happened. And we could have, we could have maintained control of the situation and our allies around the world would have respected us. Let me move the subject to Indiana because okay. we saw the train derailment in East Palestine we know that these dioxins, these chemicals, this vinyl chloride, other things, poured into the Ohio River, into the ground itself. There's a remediation. There's a cleanup. They had the control burns, what went into the air. And then we learned that some of the material 
was going to head to Indiana, to Rochdale, Indiana, and I believe that is your district. Now, this is an area that has a landfill that takes uh, this kind of, of toxic waste, if you will, but there was a question about the dioxins and whether or not this should have been delivered there, the governor, Eric Holcomb, uh, requiring a testing, the testing showing that the materials did not contain any harmful levels of dioxins compared to acceptable levels established by the EPA. Were you, as a member of Congress, notified that this would be coming to your district? Did you have any concerns? And what is the situation now? Have the, has this waste been delivered to Rochdale? There's some of it that has come to Rochdale, and it's been halted. But I made significant efforts to, to put a stop to that when I saw that Michigan was not accepting it and some other uh, states like Texas, I think, uh, weren't accepting this material. So I decided that we needed to have uh, testing on both ends. Uh, the EPA from when before they loaded it and then or on the loads and then on this end to make sure that we knew what we were actually getting. Now, you know, the um, Heritage Environmental, the facility there in Putnam County, uh, certainly has the capability and is not uncommon for them to handle this kind of material. But I think out of respect for the, and I especially appreciate uh, those people in East Palestine, uh, and the, and what they've gone through. And, you know, anytime, and I'm not the controlled burn, uh, anytime you burn a compound that has a chloride in it, uh, one of the things you're going to get is, a, is dioxin and it needs to be, uh, tested so that we know what level and so on. Now I understand it's my understanding that they took the top layer of soil off and they disposed of that in another way. So we're getting the layers below those uh, that top layer uh, in Putnam County. But nonetheless, uh, my recommendation was, and I sent a letter with Senator Braun uh, to the EPA uh, suggesting that we need to do that and we need to have disclosure of what the compounds are, what the concentration is, and uh, what the concerns and safety measures that we need to use. So, uh, and yes, Governor Holcomb asked for uh, independent testing, and I think that's all good. So you are okay, and the people of Putnam County are okay, this town of Rochdale are okay with this being delivered there because you do have that group Heritage and Viro, and this is what they do. They've been doing it for years. Yes, and my concern, my concern, Tony, was just was that the EPA and the uh, Department of Transportation certainly needed to let the people know exactly what was going on and be transparent about it and how what kind of exposure they're being uh, exposed to, because you know from to get from East Palestine to Putnam County, you're going to have to travel in some manner, and it's going to be across the roads, and so that's why I. Uh, feel that trans- the Department of Transportation needs to be involved as well. Congressman Jim Baird from the Indiana 4th District, uh, the western parts of Indiana. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us. Uh, we'll speak uh, more as uh, more conversations about Afghanistan move forward. I appreciate you taking the time. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Australia is buying U.S. nuclear-powered submarines. Thank you, China.
Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Australia is looking to expand its naval capabilities, and that's because China is looking to expand its domination of Australia. And, of course, anybody else they want to try and dominate. China is setting this course. It's not that there haven't been conversations. It's not that we haven't heard about Australia looking to to build itself out. They already have a military. It's that they're increasing it. They're increasing what they can do, and they're trying to step up this submarine production. They're trying to engage a stopgap. They want to get at least five U.S. Virginia-class submarines to Australia by mid-2030s. It it takes a lot to build a submarine. It, It doesn't happen overnight. And then there's a conversation of can you start building submarines in Australia because that way you'd have easier delivery to where the combat zone is going to be, which is, of course, everything involving China. Australia is also moving to rotate American attack subs through Perth by 2027 which is a move I absolutely approve of. I mean, someone could give me a reason why this is a problem. I haven't seen it yet. I absolutely approve of this maneuver of seeing more U.S. presence and a greater relationship with Australia, which means a greater relationship and should with South Korea and Japan because we have a mutual enemy, and that is the communist Chinese regime. So this is all, I mean, for, for the American economy, this is solid. Certainly for the Australian economy, if they get built there, it's going to be very, very helpful. And this is all because of the threat of China. I appreciate when people see the threat and take it seriously. If we can at least agree on that with other nations, I feel good. I mean, we may still have to take China alone in our own way for our own purposes. But this is, this is very helpful. This is smart. I like smart. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today.